This is a message from Coast Community Church at Tumbiumbi on the 22nd of January, 2023. Unfortunately, the first couple of minutes, the introduction to this message didn't record, and so I'm going to uh, do, do my best to re-record the intro, and then you'll hear that just click over into the rest of the message. We, we were three weeks into a five-week series, just a January summer series, called Lighten your load, probably a fairly uh, appropriate focus um, for January in the in the holiday season to lighten the, the load. I did ask everybody whether they felt any lighter um, by virtue of this series a couple of weeks in, and I did not get too many nods, and I'm probably certainly one of the ones that could still um, benefit from a little bit more lightening of my load, I've got to tell you. Um, so anyway, the, the focus of this series, Lighten Your Load, has been to look at the emotions of fear, pride, shame, and bitterness, and recognizing that those emotions actually tell us, they indicate that we are carrying a load. Um, Fear, shame, and pride tell us that we're carrying a burden, a burden of responsibility for our safety and for our inclusion. And if you want a little bit of a, uh, some background on that, so so why us uh, fear and 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 pride and shame? Why are they linked to safety and inclusion? You can go back to the message recorded on New Year's Day, first of January. So this this burden of safety and inclusion it stems from a deep human insecurity, an insecurity that appeared for the very first time in the garden at the fall in Genesis chapter 3. From, from then on and, and every day since the fall, we've taken on uh, on ourselves a burden that was originally and will ultimately be God's alone to carry. But we took it upon ourselves, this responsibility for our safety, this responsibility for our inclusion, and it is a very heavy burden indeed. Two weeks ago, Mike Madigan spoke to us about fear, and he he talked about all, all different kinds of fear. Um, but of course, what all of these fears have in common is that they are ultimately to do with our safety or our, our feeling, our sense of safety. We try to secure safety or we try to get that feeling or maintain that feeling of safety through strategies of control. Now, when those strategies don't work or when we feel as though we're not in control or that we've lost control or that somebody that we don't trust is in control, well, that's when fear can take hold. Last week, uh, Tim and Sue Cornish spoke about shame. And of course, shame has to do with inclusion, with this idea of belonging, this deep human need to be known and to be accepted um, somewhere and somehow. And we, we try to bolster this feeling of inclusion through our strategies of comparison. We're constantly referencing ourselves against others. And when we don't think we compare well, when, when our body believes that we are at risk of being excluded, that we, are at, that we are not enough, there's something wrong with us, then the word for this is shame. That's where the feeling of shame comes from, when we feel as though we're at risk of being 
excluded. Now today we're going to look at what happens when we believe that those strategies are sufficient, when those strategies of control are sufficient, when the strategies of comparison are sufficient, when we believe we are in control, when we believe we do compare well to others. The word for this, the feeling that we get is pride. And now we'll carry on with the message from Sunday. So what is, what is pride? Well, we, we kind of know, don't we, that there's, there's a good pride, there's an okay pride, a pride that's maybe even healthy and helpful, but then there's the other sort, another kind of pride that is, that is not helpful. This first kind of pride, the helpful sort, is, is a celebration or it's a satisfaction that comes with doing well. Um, with, that comes with achievement, that comes with developing some sort, of, some sort of capability. When we take pride in our work, we can be proud of our kids. And this can be a really good and healthy human feeling. There's a reason why God built into us a feeling of satisfaction when we function well as human beings, when we function according to design, where we're maximising this thing that it is to be human, there's an inbuilt feeling of satisfaction, of a helpful pride. And this kind of pride, it can be creative, it can be generative, it can be motivating. And then there's the other kind of pride. The kind of pride that is simply a sense of superiority over others. This is selfish pride. It's the pride that says, I'm actually more deserving. And this kind of pride is disintegrating. Selfish pride works to set me apart from others. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But you can see there's a difference between pride as a celebration of some kind of human achievement and capability and then this selfish pride, the sense of superiority over others. And selfish pride is a lie that the enemy wants us to believe. It is the illegitimate belief that I'm the one who is in control that in some way or for some reason that I am superior, that I am deserving compared to others. Pride is the belief that we are like God in a way that makes God unnecessary. And this was the temptation right back in the garden. Pride is self-oriented idolatry. And we ought to take it really seriously. Now, I'm, I'm going to need a little bit of help. Um, I've got some Bible verses here to read. Now, Noah, I did not bring the clicker down, but I do not want you to click on this next slide. Got it? Check. So I need two helpers um, who can come and read some Bible verses. Now, if you are little helpers, there's some tricky words and you might need some grown-up help. Um, but if, if you're a reader and you'd like to read out a couple of verses, I really need some help. Somebody come and help me, please. Good on you. So just grab that top sheet of paper, grab one of those, and then we need somebody else 
Who's another helper? Another really eager, happy helper. Oh, good on you. Unreal. Look at this. Team Turner. Unreal. So all I'm, all I'm wanting you to do is just go one for one um, and let us know what the passage is and then, and then it's all from Proverbs. Read one and then you've got to let your dad read the next one and just we'll work through those. You can argue it out who goes first. Help me with all the tricky words. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Proverbs 8.13, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16.5, the Lord detests the proud, they will surely be punished. Proverbs 16.18, Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Uh, Proverbs 18.12 Before his downfall a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honour. Proverbs 29.23 Pride be brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honour. Good job. Thank you. You should take those with you. You probably need them. Um, Thank you, you did really well. Um, so you can put that one up now, Noah. So here's the verses that they just read. I, th I think it's interesting that right from the, this first verse in Proverbs 8, um, all who fear the Lord will hate evil, therefore I hate pride. Da -da 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 -da. And so here we see the writer of Proverbs equating pride with evil. Pride is evil and we know that evil has no future does it like in in the end when all things are summed up pride has no future there there is only one end for pride and and look at it so therefore if pride is something that we carry then we can look forward to disgrace to punishment to destruction to downfall to being brought low Pride has no future. It will ultimately be destroyed. And we will bear the marks of that destruction now in our own lives to the degree to which we carry selfish pride. So why is pride such a problem? Why does pride bring with us, bring with it, disgrace and punishment and destruction and downfall and being brought low? Well, I've, I've come up with four reasons and I'm, I'm sure that there's a heap more reasons but I've come up with four and the first reason is and so you can put this up Noah pride pushes God aside pride says God you're not the true provider you're not the true ruler you're not the one who is praiseworthy pride says I am Pride says, I'm the provider. Pride says, I'm the one in control. Pride says, I will have confidence in me. I'm capable, I'm trustworthy, I'm superior, I'm praiseworthy and I will honour myself. And so selfish, praise, selfish pride displaces God and makes us the object of our own worship. And my goodness, doesn't the world, doesn't prevailing culture want us to do that? Make ourselves the object of our own worship. You deserve it. 
Here's the second one. Um, the second reason. Pride is not like God. Pride is not a character trait of God. So we know what God is, right? God is love. God is love. And we also know what love is like. If we've ever been to a wedding, we know what love is like, don't we? Right? 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. God is love and love is not proud. And since you and I are made in the image of God, you and I are made in the image of love, capital L, then pride ought not be a trait of ours either. Instead, what we see throughout Scripture is that this God is gentle and lowly in heart. This God, this God, this God is self-emptying. This God is self-sacrificing and others-focused. Do you remember the word for this? It starts with K, the Greek word for being self-emptying, self-sacrificial. I'll buy somebody a chocolate. Starts with K. It's Greek. Yes, kenosis. I owe you a chocolate, Trish. Good job. You don't want it? I get to keep it. Thank you for answering then. Kenosis. This is the character of God. God is essentially kenotic. God is essentially self-emptying. Kenosis is the polar opposite of selfish pride. Is God powerful? Yes, he is. Is he sovereign? Yes, he is. Is he praiseworthy? Yes, he is. And yet all of this is held with humility. There is a reason that he comes as a little child to poor parents. There is a reason why we see Jesus and he, he self-identifies as the Lamb of God. Pride is inconsistent with the character of God. Pride does not image God. Here's the third reason. Pride works against his plan. We know that God has a plan. We know that he has a big dream, that he's got this big vision to unite everything in the cosmos in the sun. That's his dream. That's his vision. That's where all of creation and reality is going. Ephesians 1.10 says this is his plan to sum up the whole cosmos in the king. Yes, everything in heaven and on earth in him. And he does this work of unity. He does this work of reconciliation through love, through self-emptying love. It is canotic love that unites. And so pride is the opposite of love because pride does not unite. Pride separates. Pride creates categories. Pride creates categories of winners and losers, of powerful and powerless, of haves and have-nots, of pretty and ugly and of good and evil. Pride resists forgiveness. Pride cannot do confession. Pride cannot do repentance. And so therefore pride cannot reconcile. It cannot unite. 
Pride totally relies on keeping others on a lower peg. Selfish pride works in direct opposition to the plan of God. Here's the fourth reason. Pride places burdens on others. Pride makes the load of others heavy. Remember that selfish pride is the feeling that we are in control, which means that we are potentially controlling others. Pride is the feeling that we are somehow superior, which means that others by definition are inferior. This means that our pride causes, our pride even requires and relies upon the fear and the shame of others. Pride relies on securing the feelings of safety and the feelings of inclusion through strategies of control and through strategies of comparison for ourselves at the expense of the safety and the inclusion of others. You can trace every kind of evil back to this. James 3.16 says, Where, wherever there is jealousy and, and selfish ambition, and you can call this pride, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Every effort to control, every effort to compete at the expense of others is selfish pride at work and it places the burdens of fear and shame on others. So pride pushes people aside. Pride is not like God. Pride works against God's plan and pride places burdens on others. Did you know that today is Aboriginal Sunday? Worth mentioning at this point. The Sunday before Australia Day. This day, do you know, has been recognised by the church since 1941. This is where the people of God stand together in solidarity with Aboriginal people and with Torres Strait Islanders and recognise the injustices that have been committed and indeed are still committed and these are acts of nationalistic and colonial pride. Placing burdens of fear and shame on others. And so what do we do? What, what should our response to pride in our lives be? What do we do? Well, first of all, we need to recognise it. And interestingly, fear and shame are indicators that, prime, that pride lurks in our lives. So I've got a bit of a diagnostic tool here. And I've, I've got maybe 15 or 20 copies of this and I can, I can make more. So this, this is 50 signs of pride, right? So there's one for nearly every week of the year. And if you can't find yourself on this list, then I reckon that's number 51, <laughs> right? So here, here's a couple of examples. So, so you, know, you don't need to raise your hand. Um, a, a sign of pride. Um, I often feel insecure. I don't want to try new things or step out in uncomfortable situations because I'm afraid I'll fail or look foolish 
I'm easily embarrassed. Huh. Sign of pride. I regularly compare myself to others. I am performance oriented. I feel that I have greater worth if I do well. Yep, guilty. I'm self-critical. I tend to be a perfectionist. I can't stand for little things to be wrong because they reflect poorly on me. I have a hard time putting my mistakes behind me. I desire to receive credit and recognition for what I do. I like people to see what I do and let me know that they noticed. I feel hurt or offended when they, when they don't. I'm overly concerned about my reputation. I hate being misunderstood. And on and on and on it goes. So I've got a bunch of copies of this. This would be a great weekly devotional, wouldn't it? Step one, recognise pride that lurks in our hearts. It's there. It's there in the human heart since the fall. Here's the second thing to do is to remind ourselves who it is that really is in control, who it is that really has the last word. Recognise who it is that is genuinely incomparable. Our right response to pride is to recognise that our safety and that our inclusion, they are a gift. One that we have, have freely received, not earned, not deserved, but bestowed by a generous God. Instead of drinking from the shallow pool of self-love, of self-sufficiency, we daily return to the true well, that deep, gushing spring that comes from our true lover. This is not an antidote, it's not a quick fix, rather this is the daily realigning with that ultimate truth. Repentance is the word that we find in scripture. It is turning from the lie of our insecurity that leads to fear and to shame and to pride and turning to the truth that you are the beloved of God. The self-love of pride is no substitute to the reality that you are the beloved of God. You're loved. You are perfectly safe. You are eternally included. And because we have received this gift, we are free. Get this, we, we are free in his name and by his spirit to labour for the safety and for the inclusion of others, particularly for those who know it the least. This is how you deal with pride. Recognise that it's in you. Remind yourself who it is that really is in control. Remind yourself that you are perfectly secure and safe and included. You are the beloved of God. And from that place, turn your attention to the safety and the inclusion of others. This is self-giving love. This is kenosis. It is giving up my addiction to control, my addiction to comparison because I know that I'm already safe, I'm already included and then as his hands and his feet labouring for the safety and for the inclusion of others. And the word for this is Christian. Paul writes this in Philippians 2, 1 to 4 and I think we've got this. Noah, is there any encouragement for being a Christian? 
Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. In response to the love that we already have, we can risk taking our proud eyes off ourselves and look to the interest of others too. You can call this humility, you can call this love, you can also call it justice. And it is the right response to pride. Fear, shame and pride, this is the consequence of carrying a load that's not ours to carry. The heavy burden of not believing that we are ultimately safe, that we are ultimately included and that it's up to us in our own power to secure those things. And while it is absolutely true that in our daily lives we do need to take responsibility for ourselves, the bigger truth, the ultimate reality is that you are the beloved of God. The truth of that ought to recalibrate our hearts, ought to recalibrate my heart every single day, away from my self-absorbed and prideful performance and toward gratitude for his gift of mercy, mercy that overflows in love for one another. That's how we deal with pride. That's how we lighten the load. Easy peasy. Next week, uh, Brad and Verity are going to lead us in, in what happens when we don't. What happens when we don't lighten the load and when bitterness takes root? And it can take root through fear or shame or pride. That's next week. We're going to come to a time of communion now and it will be communion with a twist it's a special one um, we we know what communion means we know what communion symbolizes that communion uh, is about fellowship it's about participation it's about sharing it is our common union together we are flesh and blood we are one with Jesus and with one one another. And Jesus, the one that we are united with, Jesus is on mission. And mission, to be on mission, means to be sent. That's what mission means, sent. Sent for a purpose. And, and commission, like communion, commission, communion, it infers a togetherness, a, a withness, a one anotherness. A togetherness of both the ones sending and of the ones being sent. So there's a link between communion and commission. It is the union of sent senders. Communion in the sent one is not only a recognition of ourselves united with him and with one another, but it must also, by definition, hold a mandate for us to send and for us to be 
sent. And so this is how we are going to approach communion this morning, as sent ones who send. And so we are going to be communionitioning the Turner family. And so I'm going to ask that you might all come up, all of you, and bring with you anybody who, who wants to be bringing a word of encouragement or support or praying for you. So if you want to be, you want to be with this family.